WFNU is a volunteer-run station made up of many different community voices. Each program expresses one aspect of this diversity and is not the view of WFNU or FTI as a whole. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Show Up with Cameron Gran. I'm Cameron Gran, and as always, I'm just a friend going along his own mental health journey. I am not a therapist. I think these are little tips and tricks that I've used along my own journey that hopefully you guys can try or not try because at the end of the goal, all we're doing is trying to better ourselves mentally so we can be better people and have a lot more happiness come our way. That was a mouthful and I'm not ashamed of saying it, but it was a lot. I'm not going to lie. As I promised, we will be diving into the interpersonal uh, effectiveness part of DBT this week. A little background with what that will be is we're going to go over three major points, which is just you want to make sure that you have the skills to get what you want and uh, opposed to what you need from others because you have things that you want from other people, but then you have to make sure that what you need comes first because I feel like your wants are things that you're more able to compromise with other people so you can have a better relationship. Whereas if it's something that you need, that's when you have to weigh whether or not that need is something that's part of your core values. Because if it is, it's not something that you should give up because it matters so much to you. And then we're also going to go over today, like building relationships and ending like destructive ones. On that note, as always, ending a destructive relationship should not be an easy task. The reason why I'm saying this is because sometimes we avoid having confrontation, especially me, if you're like me out there. If you're going to end a destructive relationship, I 100% believe the best thing you can do for you and your mental health is in order to honor the fact that it's destructive is to find a way that's comfortable for you to sit down and at least reach out to that person if you care about them. Obviously, if it's somebody that you like means nothing to you, you have no love, there's no relationship there. It's just something that you've seen passing. That's not that's not what I'm talking about. If it's somebody that you love that's hurting you and you like your few you feel like the best way forward is to cut them out when you wish so much that they could just compromise and like help you preserve this relationship. That's what I mean is like if you want somebody in your life and they've been there in your life for a long period of time, you owe it to yourself and to them to at least have a conversation and be upfront with how you're feeling. And eventually we'll be going over the dear man skill in this part of DBT. And that's the one that really helped me have those tough and hard conversations. But I'm right now we're just going over different things. And the last thing, and while we're doing mindfulness, I went over like wise mind versus ra uh, rational and emotional mind or doing and being mind opposed to like, yeah, all those things. We're going to do walk the middle path, which is kind of like the whole premise of wise mind, where wise mind is all about you when you're trying to walk the middle path of other people. It's kind of like, how can we come to a consensus between each other and what we both need and how we walk that middle path so that we're both having a good equal grounding. And that's an important thing. So like today, we'll, I promised that I would be watching a movie. And so we will be watching Real Steel, which came out in 2011. It stars Hugh Jackman, Evangeline Lilly, Dakota, Dakota Goyo, Anthony Mackie and Kevin Gerard. And it's directed by Sean Levy. I like this film. I'm hoping you guys will like it. And a bit, uh, here's a little bit of a synopsis. It's uh, Charlie Kenton, uh, Hugh Jackman, used to be a prize fighter, but lost his chance to win a title when heavy towering robots took over the boxing ring. Now, Working as a small-time promoter, Charlie pie uh, pieces together scrap metal into low-end fighters, barely earning enough to make it from one underground venue to the next. After hitting rock bottom, Charlie reluctantly teams with his estranged son, Max, to build and train a championship robot for a last shot at redemption. Obviously, in this scenario, uh, because he's a, because he used to fight himself, he feels like his relationship to boxing has changed, and like he doesn't have the same passion he had for it because he isn't able to be in the ring anymore because now boxing is done with robots. And the important thing that I like about this is sometimes in order to keep a relationship, you have to be able to adapt.
adapt it. And a lot of times, especially if you like in this scenario, his boxing is his relationship to himself. He had boxing as his identity. It was taken away from him. So he didn't know what he was without boxing. Whereas the whole point of this movie is he rediscovers his passion for boxing when he actually gives this new style of boxing with like by shadow boxing through Raw a chance. And it's kind of the same thing he has to do with people, because like a lot of times we have these preconceived notions about people because they did were a certain way in our past. And sometimes we have people in our lives for a long time. We see them every day, but sometimes we don't see people for a long time, but they stay that same person in our head. When time goes by, people change and it's OK when you meet somebody again a year later to give them a little bit of grace to like see if they've changed. And you, the whole point is when you meet somebody again for the first time, even if you've known them for years, is you want to make sure if those things that bothered you have left because they've changed and they become better, then you might not need to have a hard conversation with them. But if they're the same, they're doing the same things to you and they're not really willing to make those changes themselves, that's OK because you're recognizing them for who they are. But they need to also be able to hear you say, I understand that this is the way that you need to lead your life. I'm not upset by it because I can see you. But what I'm telling you is the way that you treat me and the way we our relationship is being handled is not OK with me. These are the things that I need from our relationship to change for us to continue being friends. And then if you can't, I might be able to compromise and we can have a smaller friendship or I might have to leave the friendship altogether. And the important note with this is when you start setting these kind of boundaries, you can't take them back. You can't be like, I have this boundary, but then it's like a week passed and then they did a little bit. No, like if you said a hard thing that you need from them and then they're not even attempting or trying, because obviously if this is the first time you've done it, you need to give people a little bit of grace because now they're trying to find how they can give you what you're looking for when they don't actually know how you think and what your brain is. So that's kind of like trial and error at first. But as long as you can see that the trial and error stage is happening, that's fine. It's OK. But you also want to make sure that after a period of time, if they're not doing anything to actually work on the relationship and you've given them that boundary, then you need to follow through. If it's just reducing the amount of friendship, that, like that's one thing. And maybe that'll be enough to make your friend change how they're treating you. But if they're not doing anything, then you might have to end the friendship. And again, if your friend cares for you, they might say, no, no, I'm sorry. I thought I was doing this. I thought I was taking it for granted. And then they might really, really hardcore try to change. Or they might not because people don't always see eye to eye. And some people, even though you value them so much as a friend, don't value you the same way. The whole point of interpersonal effectiveness is you as a person. That's why it comes after mindfulness is you as a person need to know who you are, what you're worth before you let other people in, because otherwise you will compromise yourself and what you need in order to make them happy when that's not how happiness should occur. If you go out on vacation and you're upset with somebody, you should not be in your depression and trying to make them happy on their vacation and be miserable for two weeks. You should be able to have an honest conversation the day this thing happened and be like, I don't want to spend the next two weeks upset. So I need to talk to you so I can get we can get through this. I, and if I don't talk to you, we will not be able to get through this and I will be miserable and you might not have been aware of it, but I'm not going to be miserable for two weeks and you just have happiness. I want us both to be happy for this vacation because we both did a lot of work to make this happen. But it's kind of like those kind of things, because a lot of times I talk to people and then they don't say things because they don't want to stop, like have trouble. Basically, what you're doing is you are having trouble. You're just not allowing other people to know because you're making yourself miserable at sacrificing for them. And if they care about you, they should want to make sure that you're having the same experience that they are and that you're happy. And that's kind of what the interpersonal effectiveness is about, especially because down the road, especially because like we have like this balancing scale that we're on. And so sometimes we're lower and we think everybody else is way above us. And really, that's not true. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much confidence or ego, nobody is better than 
you. We are all equal. We are all human. And pe some people have a better lot at life. Good for them. And if they talk down to you, that's on them. But you don't need to sacrifice something just because they think that they have the right to treat you a certain way. They do not. You are your own person. You deserve to be treated as an equal in a, in a relationship. And if they can't see that, then that's their issue. But usually in, uh, but at this time, if you're going through and having these deep conversations with somebody, usually it's somebody who you know cares a lot about you. Because I wouldn't have these conversations with somebody who is like somebody I pass by at work. I might have it with my boss because that is somebody that you need to like have honest conversations with. And I am somebody who completely thinks that if you are struggling, I feel like it's important to be honest with your uh, with your employer because the whole point of work is you want to be able to get through long days at work. You want to make sure that you can handle everything. And basically, I feel like if things are going wrong at work, the, the longer you avoid it, the, the more likely it is that you're going to do something really stupid down the road. Because basically, we're all these little teapots that are like steaming. And when we when we finally pop our lid and like all that steaming piping smoke of like evaporated water comes out, things will boil over and we will have problems that might affect other people like customers or, or even other like like people that you work with. But that's why it's important to have conversations with like anybody at work, like HR or just somebody, because the more open you are, the less you have to sacrifice yourself for your mental health. And that's kind of what I advocate for is like, don't sacrifice your own happiness to make other people happy. If you need something at work, at, like say, I'm feeling this way. Is there a way that we can try something? Can we do it different? Or what can we like I do to help like make the situation better? Because it's stresses me out. It makes me feel unsafe or because of the stress that you're putting me under, I feel like I can't mess up. And if I mess up, then it's going to put me right in my fight or flight stage. And when I'm in that stage, I am not a good employee because I'm not actually thinking about how to do the job. I'm trying to think about how to survive. And when our brains are so focused on how to survive, that's when mistakes happen because we're not able to be in wise mind. We're only in survival mode. But, sur but wise mind is where rational, deep thoughts that will solve problems can occur. With that, I'm going to start the movie and I hope that this goes well because as I said I still struggle with this I'm working through this but I'm hoping by doing this with you we will both have a wonderful time and enjoy this movie five minutes into the film and the reason why I stopped is because literally the opening scene is Hugh Jackman he goes to a fair and then he he's woken up obviously hung over because he's like walking all over beer bottles literally he's woken up by a collector trying to get the, their, their money from him and he's not actually acknowledging what the collector's saying he's doing all these like ploys to make them think that his phone isn't working and so basically he's increasing his own stress by trying to avoid something. But the, th the reason why I stopped it was actually because at the end of the scene, there are these three girls who want to see the robot that he uses to fight with. He brings the robot out. The kid wants a picture of him. And he says, OK, no, you can't do that. You have to give me five dollars. What's funny is he is adamant about getting this money because after he's, they say him to five, he tries to raise it to three, which is smart in business. But I will say it's kind of really crappy because all these kids are under 10 to be trying to hit them up for money. But the reason why. I pointed out is because part of the doing uh, getting what you want and needs from others is you do have to say no to unwanted requests effectively. So he has the ability to say no because he's not allowing these kids to have the, that uh, money. But to actually be good with this kind of request is you can't be okay doing those kind of things when you feel like the power of that like the dynamic is you're above somebody else. He's like, oh, you want a picture of this robot? So I have the power of this, this situation to so give me five dollars. No, like 
you have to be equal. And at this point, he's struggling. Nobody is like seeing him. He's not even actually in the arena to get the like to actually get like fight yet. So it's kind of like you're creating a bad situation because you don't want to act effectively. I don't know. Just make kids happy. It's kind of like one of those things. I pointed it out because he's able to say no down run to a request, but he's not able to do that while making sure that everybody stays equal in the surroundings. 11 minutes in. And the reason why I stopped is because part of interpersonal effectiveness is learning how to build relationships and end destructive ones. But you often don't realize the destructive relationship that we build can often be with ourselves because right now he owes a lot of debt to a lot of people. And it's all because of personal choices he's making, because the first thing you have to do is strengthen current relationship. In order to do that, you can't let hurts and problems build up. Use relationship skills to head off problems, you need to repair relationships when needed, and you need to resolve conflicts before they get overwhelming. Obviously, when you get indebted to people, it can already create a bad situation. But what's even worse is if you're going to make a debt, you can't make them one-sided because in this scenario, this these robots were fighting a bull. And then the bull won, but before this happened, they made a bet that if the bull lost, that they, whoever, the winner would pay 20 grand. Charlie didn't have that money, so now he's trying to skip town, and then as he's about to skip, he finds out about his son, who I guess he hasn't seen in over 10 years, from his ex-girlfriend. All the things I just mentioned are things that if he had just caught up with them at all, might make it so he has strong relationships with them. But because of his own choices, cutting off relationships in his own mind, he's not allowing himself to build relationships that will actually be constructive in his life. He's just ending all like the good ones because of how destructive he's being to himself. Before you end a destructive relationship, make sure that the reason it's destructive is not you and the choices you are making because that relationship could be really great for you, but you have to own what you did in order to move past it. You should not revel in the past. That's remember, mindfulness is all about staying present, but in order to move past it, you have to acknowledge it because otherwise you're carrying things with you underneath the surface. So once you acknowledge, move past it, and then say from this moment on in a relationship, I will try to do better. But in order to do that, I need us to start over, but I will do better. I, I will not forget the things that I've done. And then hopefully if it's a relationship that's worth keeping, that person will hear you and allow that to actually be something that you work on together. 15 minutes in, Hugh Jackman is not setting himself up to be a likable character. I will say that these are this, this film has a lot of things that you can highlight what not to do because you are supposed to get others to do things you would like them to do. And he's a great salesperson because he's basically got the husband of his, his ex-girlfriend to pay him $50,000 to take care of his son for a summer so that way they can still go to Italy and then come back and live with them once they they go they come home from Italy and then get another paid another 50 grand. So he's great with getting a deal from other people and then to have them take his opinion seriously. But he's not great with including his own self-interest or, I don't know, be a good person. I don't know if this is an example of interpersonal effectiveness or just somebody who has very low morals, but he, it is highlighting the skill because he is able to do those things but you're the whole point of this and i'm highlighting it is it's not about manipulation you're not trying to manipulate somebody to get what you want what, you're, what you actually want is a strong relationship and so what you're doing is you're telling them these are the things i need from you to have a strong relationship with you can you do this or is there something that you don't feel like you can um and where can we go from this and i feel like most people if they hear where it's coming from and the desire that you're sharing and expressing with them they're, they're willing to work with you but you have to actually be involved in this because right now he has a son, but his son was not in the picture with this deal he just made. It was the 50 grand he could get to have a robot to fight because that's his business. That's what he's been doing for a very long time, which is part of the, the issue. It's like you can't forget the core of like the relationship. 25 minutes in, I stopped it because 
is, again, uh, he hasn't seen his son in about his entire life, and he was not at all shy about telling his son that he basically sold him for money. When the son called him out for it, he kind of didn't even bat an eye. When you're talking, walking in the middle path, you're supposed to create and maintain balance in a relationship. And so the kid's like, well, if you sold me for, for 50 grand, then I want 25 grand. The joke is he actually sold him for 100 grand, but the kid doesn't know that yet. It's just like, you're supposed to allow for balance. He goes to this gym to get this new robot that he just, just bought. He has the kid dropped off and his expectation is not to take care of his child. His expectation is to let the kid live in the gym with somebody else that he's friends with. And so it's kind of like, how are you supposed to build a relationship with your child if you're not actually looking at them as a person to build a, rela a relationship with? And I feel like that happens a lot with people, especially with people who don't actually, unfortunately, feel like they want or need children. They just treat them really bad. But it's kind of like until you have the base to have a little bit of self-reflection and see how you actually treat others in a way that they are taking away your actions. It's just so crazy and bizarre to me that he, one, he's so honest to his child, but he has no sympathy for the child when he's like calls him out, especially because the, the kid himself was like, did you not know where they were going? They were going to Italy. That would have been really cool to go to. So you kind of like screwed me over. So I have to stay here. And now the kid's also a huge fan of uh, robots. And that's what he basically used all the money that he sold his kid for. And he doesn't even want to take his kid along to go actually fight with the robot, which just seems so bogus to me because you can do what you want to do it. But now that you have a kid who actually is into all that, you don't even want to include him to build that relationship when you have to like allow base and time and energy to actually build something. But obviously it's just a paycheck to him, which is so sad. At the end of the day, he is actually being honest, but it's just, I don't know, crappy honesty. 32 minutes in, the ironic thing is this is when they took Noisy Boyd to fight the his kid, which Charlie doesn't even seem to care about listening to, literally says you you shouldn't do the top match because you haven't even played as Noisy Boy yet. You don't know how he functions, uh, but he wants to make 50 grand. So he just goes with it to do a top tier, which Noisy Boy can do because he's fought in like the World League of Bot Fighting. Um, but ironically, the kid was like, well, you should just get in the ring and do the easy one so you can actually get used to him before you do any of that stuff. And that's also kind of something important to recognize with interpersonal effectiveness. A lot of times when we make our mind up about something, we don't actually listen to those around us trying to help us, especially if we don't feel like their opinions are equal to ours. And that is an issue that we can create around ourselves where we just think about our own selves when really you can have your own opinion. You can have something that you believe entirely in your soul, but beautiful things can happen if you just allow whatever somebody else tells you to affect you. You know, like maybe he could have done like a couple and, and agreed to that. And then he could have come back another night and actually done a bigger debt, uh, like bigger draw for money. But because he was so focused, his the, the bot he literally just paid 50 grand to, he literally just lost 50 grand. So it's just crazy that he wouldn't actually listen to his child because he has no relationship with him. So he doesn't think that his opinion matters as much as him because in his world, he's the one that's been actually fighting robots for a long time. So he's the one that knows everything. But his child is the one that actually knew, I believe they said Japanese is what the noisy boy even talks with. So he knows the robot itself and knows all his moves. But because he's not the technical fighter, his opinion has no validity, which is something that I feel like can happen to us when we don't have good interpersonal effectiveness skills. Because a lot of times we cut ourselves off from the entire world and when we protect ourselves, we do the best thing for us to protect 
our own self-interest rather than the best thing for the situation at hand. 40 minutes in, I stopped because this is the part where I believe his name is Mac, almost uh, went off a cliff, a robot saved his life. What's funny is there was like a really like a moment where you thought maybe they would like change and have a different foot between a father and a son, but because his son said, look, this robot reached out and grabbed me right before I got and when it was going to go over the cliff. And it looks like he's entirely there, like holding him up and take him with us. And then instantly we're back to the old Charlie who doesn't want to do anything that's outside of his own self-interest. So he just goes back up this giant cliff and leaves his son to dig out this robot that saved his life. I don't know, but I feel like you're supposed to strengthen current relationships. It would actually do a lot for your son if you just helped him dig that thing, regardless of what you felt about that robot. And even if you were like upset because he was giving a robot credit for saving your life when you're the one that pulled him over the edge, when actually the robot caught him before he went further and would have died. So it's kind of like one of those things where you have an like your own wants to be acknowledged as the savior is not, I don't know, bigger than your child's need to be just to save something that helped save his life, even though it wasn't the only person. It's just crazy, crazy. 50 minutes in, and this is just after the kid basically cleaned off Adam, the robot. And he's just like, because Adam has a shadow feature. They're like running through the park and they're doing things that is like training dad be an actual boxer. But what's crazy is like, it's like this kid feels like Adam actually has human understanding because he's a generation two robot, whatever that means in this universe with fighting robots. I don't know. There's something crazy about the fact that this kid has grown his entire life without seeing his dad. And what he's looking for is just somebody to see him. Expectations and relationships are very simple. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the phrase, I feel like you expect too much from me. I feel like in reality, people expect too little of themselves. Because for me, whenever somebody has said that to me, I was like, I don't expect you to do anything. What I expect from you is just to be my friend. And it feels like in order to be your friend, you want me to accept nothing from you. You want me to give all the effort. You want me to do like all the compromising when really all I'm asking is for you to show up and listen and see me as your friend and not just to see somebody that you can use for your own self-interest, which is the same thing with Evangeline Lily's character in this scenario, because Charlie like uses her to fix robots. But she literally says to Charlie, she's like, me and my father believed in you. We thought of you as family. Immediately after she said that Hugh Jackman's character literally just instantly was like well can you what like look at these robots what about this new one Adam can you fix him like he didn't even acknowledge and validate this person that cares so much for him because again his own his own self-interest is more important to him than actually strengthening a, a relationship telling somebody how much they mean to you how much you valued what they gave you because validation is important especially in any kind of friendship relationship family you need that because that's how you stay connected you need to see people for who they are so that way you guys can both grow and see that like the, the strength and power each of you are harnessing on the day-to-day -day as you grow and be better individual but it should be together not separate I and mean, obviously your growth should be separate but like the acknowledgement and seeing each other should be together like you should be able to see each other as like these powerful people going in strengthening themselves to be the better versions of themselves we are an hour in and it is officially the turn the table moment of the movie because now charlie's son is the one calling the shots with his new robot friend Adam and he literally just got a fight at Schaefer Zoo and all he has to do is make sure his robot survives one round to get a thousand dollars. But if you watched the scene closely you'll notice that the entire way that he negotiates what he and gets what he wants from people is to match them where they come from. So basically the guy was like teasing him telling him he wouldn't last any like at all with his robot and so the kid was just like no okay well that's fine but what if he does last? Would you still give me five hundred dollars if he does last? I don't know it's very interesting because sometimes 
sometimes the best thing you can do is just match somebody's intensity. And that's a great way to get, build a repertoire and like a familiarity with somebody. So that way when you hang out with them, you know what kind of energy to bring because it's a, like you have built this kind of communic communication with that person. And that's all I thought was fascinating, especially because again, Charlie, because he's not the one in charge, he's not the one running the robot, doesn't really seem to be encouraging or at all trying to boost his son who is basically doing the same job that he is. So you'd think they would have bonded and actually be supporting each other, but still that's not what's happening. I will say the best thing that ever happened in this film so far is strengthening relationship. Uh, actually, you know, in order to repair something, you actually have to start listening. And in order to actually find and build new relationships, you actually have to come as you are and show people who you are so they can actually help you. And, you know, see so that when you build relationships, they're long lasting because they see you that you're actually able to be completely honest with them. Now, Charlie, not completely honest. His son, really honest. And he's the one that actually sees the potential in his robot Adam. But what I love about this is if you actually watch the fight, the closest they've ever come to actually being in the same mindset and walk the middle path of being able to hear each other, even though they have differing opinions about what it means to actually have a robot fight. Father used to be an actual boxer, so he's able to actually help his son know how to maneuver Adam to actually be able to fight in a way that actually make him win. In this fight at the zoo, all he had to do was survive one round to win a thousand dollars and then they double on nothing. And literally his robot did one thing and that ended the other robot like ability to function so they won. And I feel like the important thing to note is the instant they won, his father's opinion changed, but they went from being really close and walking that middle path to all of a sudden his father is getting greedy and forgetting the reason why they got there was because his son actually invested that time with that robot and knows how we work. It's important to, you need to find the middle path and walk it together with somebody. You can't abandon it when it's convenient for you. You need to always be there on that middle ground with them. Because that's when your relationship's at its strongest because you're both in that mindset together to make choices for the best. An hour and 10 minutes in and it's literally the first actual concrete compromise between Charlie and his son. The son wants his dad to teach his robot how to box because he has the same ability to recall uh, past things that he's learned in a fight with voice command, um, but his dad wouldn't agree to it until he saw his son do a little dance battle with his robot, Adam. And so he agreed to it on the, the principle that his son would dance before every fight, which I find really funny. Interesting that the robot is the only thing that they will compromise over with each other. They won't actually have those deep conversations about the relationship with, with their relationship, especially because at this moment, his father doesn't even know how old he is because literally he's like, you're, you're, you're eight, right? No, he's like, no, I'm 11. And he's like, are you sure? You're 11? And he's like, yes, I know I'm 11. So like, they don't really know each other, but I'm, it's, it seems clear that the more that they use the robot, the closer their relationship will become. We are an hour and 20 minutes in. I stopped because we are literally about to get into the, I guess, the World League fights with Adam. And the reason why I stopped it is because literally it starts off and the owner of Zeus wants to buy Adam to be a sparring bot because they think he'd be a good sparrer for their fancy robot. When in reality, the reason why uh, Charlie's son is like, no, I don't want to sell him is because he thinks that they want to buy him because they're scared because of the way he is made. It's so different that he could actually win. And that's why he doesn't want to sell. But obviously, Charlie is all about the money and wants to keep the money. And so literally talk about hard boundaries. And also when you know somebody and you have like a strong relationship with them, you know when you need to like have a strong foot down. And so literally he like his son stops him and he's like, listen to me, Charlie, it's not going to happen. And then 
Charlie is like, but, 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 I mean, obviously he's the parent, he could force do this, but I, I do like the fact that he is allowing his son who found the robot to make the shots about what the robot does. Um, but Charlie's like, okay, but if you do this, he might have nothing left because you, now you're going against the big guys, the ones who are made to destroy robots. I know there's a lot of a huspa, is what they call it, a lot of something special about that kind of thing. It's like right now they're walking the middle path because they're both listening to each other and Charlie isn't allowing his own self-interest to like speak over his son, which is what I like. One hour and 25 minutes in, they just won their first battle in the World League. And the reason why I stopped it is because obviously in order to get to that point, Charlie had to abandon his concept of what the world battle is and his son had to push him there because he was like, well, they're better bots than us. They have all this money. But then his son is like, no, you have a way of seeing things before they happen in a fight so you can prepare and like adapt to them. And like when he said that, like Charlie was able to actually find like the trick of this robot. And then that's how they won because they were able to adapt Adam's fighting style to the robot, um, which is kind of what you have to do in boxing like with humans is you have to be able to adapt to the fighter, not have the same fighting style for every single boxing match. Because if you do that, you're not always going to win because not every single boxer it fights the same, which you would think not every robot would fight the same. Everyone thinks that because it's programming, you have to do it like the very similar. And I just like that because again, when you listen to the people around you, you you open yourself up to having a relationship, which if you are watching during that scene, you see Evangeline Lily in a bar with this guy trying to hit on her. And she's kind of, and she's totally enraptured by this fight between like with Adam and the other robot, because that's Charlie who she was interested in, but he wasn't actually like allowing himself to connect with other people. He was just looking out for his own self-interest. What I like is that now he's paid Evangeline Lily back for all the times that she's covered him, but he, she's also, the relationship between them is stronger because he's also allowing himself to hear other people more, even though he still has moments going back to into his selfish Charlie mentality. But you, it's kind of like the more you open yourself up, the more you try to do with these skills, the more easy you're going to be able to catch yourself and adapt to each individual as a person rather than relying on past historical trauma that you've gone through. You shouldn't judge new people based on old bad relationships. You should let each relationship be their own new thing. And that's what I like is like Evangeline Lily believed in Charlie until he like treated her in a very like unfriend like manner. He would get what he wanted from her and then he would leave and that's why the relationship is so strained which is why she eventually put her foot down and said that you need to leave because I can't keep being the person that saves you, especially when you're not actually trying to be there for me or my family. You're just trying to use me for your own self-interest. What happens is as over time, when people change, if somebody comes back into your life and they've shown an actual willingness to change, then you give them a chance and then you know whether or not the amount of the change is something that you can live with and something you can work with or if it still needs to progress a little bit before you let them in back fully. That's why I find this beautiful is it's like slowly or we're working towards those strides. Obviously, we're still falling back, but it's all about building up to a better version of like what's going on. But you have to start making those steps to, to get to that point. An hour and 30 minutes in, I feel like the reality of all the bad relationships catching up to you, like the metaphor of that is very much uh, put into place of when you treat people badly, the relationships you have are on thin ground. The way you treat people can come back to you, which is proven by the fact that after they had this giant win of winning a fight at the world champion, these people that Charlie kind of screwed over in the beginning of the film came and beat him up, but not by himself. He They did it with his son. And what's more messed up is he had the money to pay him back, but, they, he, but he took all their money, not just the money he owed them. And it is kind of messed up that like his kid wasn't even involved and they took his winnings as well. I just, I thought it was interesting 
interesting because, again, the entire time, his son is just trying to get them to stop hurting him. And then the guy's just talking about how crappy Charlie is. And then he says, that's my father. I don't know. There's like seeing the reality of people and their choices and then not judging them for it. Because at this moment, if you watch this, like the scene after he's like in the trailer and he's looking at his son, obviously Charlie is judging himself a lot. But in that moment, all his son was thinking is like he just wanted his father to be OK. What kind of expectation, what kind of world do you want to live in? And so Charlie's now like reanalyzing his entire life and it takes something like that like that to get him to do that but it's also like i wouldn't allow that to make yourself feel bad i would like take that as an opportunity to like readdress how i build relationships and how i could like build stronger better ones in the future and how not to like have a reoccurrence of that because that was one guy but in the beginning of the movie we heard other people that he had like obviously taken money from and not paid when he's done these bets so hopefully he'll stop making bets and make better decisions in the future but sometimes it does take something like really bad happening to finally get that we need help to be better and it's okay if you need to go to your friends or if he calls Evangeline Lily's character I don't know I stopped the film to talk about this and just says this is what happened and I don't want to do this again in the future how can it be better and sometimes the answer is simple you can find it within yourself and then sometimes you need a friend to point out things that you're you're not aware of yourself or you're not aware of the effect that you and the way that you speak has on other people and you need to, you need to help to see those things so that way you can slowly try to readapt your mind to not make those choices again because it won't be instantaneous but the more you're aware of it the more you can make steps to never repeat that same pattern again and if you do don't judge yourself for doing it because you're it's a work in progress two minutes later and i'm stopping it because I wanted to highlight something because even though it's set out of anger and they're yelling at each other when you're walking the middle path you're actually being honest to the person and you're telling them what you need from them uh, and then the other thing is you're telling the other person your honest opinion about yourself and he's literally Charlie for the first time says what do you want from me I'm not good I like you deserve better I want you to have better and that I don't and that's not with me so what do you want and then his son just says I want you to fight for me I stopped that because it's a huge thing to finally open up and tell somebody what you're actually needing from them. And even though that stuff was said out of basically the heat of the moment, it didn't make what he said any less true. And sometimes when we're upset, that's when the best amount of like truth we're feeling actually comes out. It can come out in the wrong way, but it can be the truth. And in order to work towards getting to have that truth, sometimes you need to say it in a way that people will just hear it. And then you, you can say, listen, maybe I didn't approach it the way it should have. And maybe this is like something that could wait a day or a week to actually have this next conversation. But like you need to be able to say, that's not how I should have approached it. It's not how I should have said it. And I apologize for that. But I needed you to know that I don't feel like I'm the best fit for you as a father. I feel like your mom's sister she has a better life her husband's wealthy he can give you a better life than I could ever do because like look at what happened you were with me and I got beat up in front of you and what if that they had done that to you what if they had also beat you like within an inch of your life as they had like literally did to him so I understand as a father why that would worry you but I like this because he's an 11 year old and I feel like today people feel like children are, are just dumb and they're not they're very like some things you should shield from them but if you tell your child why you're so scared why you're, you're so afraid of something they will listen to you and even if they don't get 100% what you're actually trying to protect them from, hearing your honest reasoning behind something, I feel like goes a lot with a child. Where, and that will push them to try harder to give you what you want. Even if they don't un actually understand your reasoning, they'll be like, they're just so worried for me. And I don't think that those things that they're concerned for are going to happen again. But I hear you. But obviously at this point, th uh, they can't have that deeper conversation because this was screamed as, as he was leaving, getting in his now, his mom's sister's car. So they're not going to have a deeper conversation after that confession but hopefully that will change but I wanted to point that out
out because it is important to have those hard, honest conversations with the people that you care about. 136, I wanted to point out the, the good side of having done the work for interpersonal effectiveness. Because as throughout the film, as they were progressing with Adam, as they were winning those fights, as they were doing the good things together uh, with between Charlie and his son and Adam, the, uh, th while that was happening, Charlie was also like repaying Bailey, Evangeline Lily's character, for all the times that she'd helped him. I feel like he heard her when he said that I thought of you as family and yet you don't see me. Literally right after his son leaves, he goes to her and he doesn't like go in with any expectation. He just goes to like have a, a more deeper conversation with her and like apologize. And like the beauty of having a good communication skill is that when bad things happen or when good things happen, you have somebody in your corner who wants you to succeed. They want you to do the good things, but it, it, but it goes both directions. It's not one way. And so literally as she's pushing him to finally go do the work and fight for custody of his son. At the same time, she's like, he's like, you sound so much like your dad and I'm, I'm but he'll be happy and proud. And so like, there's this really beautiful moment between Charlie and Bailey. And I just love the fact that like, because they're now seeing each other and like pushing each other and actually recognizing like the work and importance of like supporting the friendship that, that they've built together. Obviously they like, they might, they have feelings for each other and they don't know quite what that is yet, but it's like, there's still like this beautiful, like I see you quality happening. And I feel like in order to see somebody, in order to make like the good decisions, in order to walk the middle path, you have to like abandon your own judgment at the door and just be honest with where you're coming from. And if somebody's gonna judge you, their judgment isn't on you. So don't think about it because they will tell you their judgments. Don't force your brain to judge the, like their opinions before they've actually said them because you can't affect, like you have no control over somebody else. You have no, like really have no right to control somebody else. So you shouldn't even try to read their mind. You should just be honest, open and honest. And whatever comes from that is still beautiful because at the end of the day, you're seeing each other for who you are and then you're creating the best relationship you can with each other because you're being so honest. At 140 I would feel like I had cheated you if I didn't stop after we finally had this beautiful moment between Charlie and his son where he tells him honestly how much he messed up and then he tells him how much his mother meant to him before she passed away and then he admitted to the fact that he basically sold him for $50,000. Obviously uh, his sister's uh husband's gonna get earful from his wife when, because she didn't know that. But the whole point is he was honest and said, to, you're right, I should have fought for you. And I understand that you have him, but we, like you're the one that got this Zeus fight. Can he come with me for this last fight? Because we did so much work for this to happen. And then I feel like because his sister was part of this confession, she saw how much Charlie's changed. So he's allowed, like she allowed him to go with him. And I don't think like that would have happened in the beginning of the movie because he was so selfish and self-absorbed and didn't really care about other people and like the relationships he had with them. Felt it so beautiful that he was just trying to be as honest as he could with his son. And because he was so honest, the sister felt comfortable enough with him to go and do this last fight. So I would have felt like I cheated you if I didn't say something when they finally had an honest conversation between each other to like now be fully in the walk the middle path relationship that we're all like hoping to achieve with anybody we care about. 148 and I stopped after Adam has lasted at least one round with Zeus. And I stopped because the guy who beat up Charlie uh, decided to make a bet for $100,000, which I'm assuming is with all the money that they took from Charlie to be 
begin with. You would think in the basically an industry where you're collecting debts and you're beating up people that you wouldn't be silly enough to make the same kind of bets yourself. And so whether or not you believe in karma, I do think that, again, this has to do with relationship building is like you should have enough forethought to not get into something if you're not willing to deal with the same consequences you give somebody else. I just wanted to point it out because I find that like that little bit of tidbit to be a little poetic irony or poetic justice, whatever you want to call it. I just find it beautiful that like he did this to Charlie and now he's possibly going to have the same thing done to him because he was too cocky for his bridges. Continue. The film is over. Uh, it ends with obviously what feels like a rigged w victory because Adam lasted all five rounds against Zeus and because he's the favorite and never been defeated, suggested that the judges went with him by default, even though if you look listen to the judges scorecards, it's like very like only one point off each time, depending on the judge. But what I enjoyed about this is like if you watch the film towards the end when they're fighting, like the, the moments that are stopped and like cured into are not even the moments about the bots fighting. It's literally there's a moment between Evangeline Lily and Charlie's son where they're just watching as Charlie is shadow boxing with the robot and they're just appreciating this moment for what it is because it's basically if humans no longer box, it's basically giving a boxer who can no longer get in the ring the opportunity to like be in his dream again. And that moment of highlight was just so beautiful to me because Charlie wasn't even aware of the fact that they were like seeing him in his dream at its prime. So like when they like basically survive the match and they, even though they don't win, it's still a victory because now you have like a foundation of relationship where you see each other and you adapt to what's going on. So that way, when you make decisions in the future, your relationships will be stronger and they won't be trying to make sure that somebody's happy over your own happiness. You want to make sure that both parties are always happy. Sometimes it takes compromise. And with this, what happened was Charlie saw that by doing all his like decisions his entire life he like affected his son in a major way and he didn't take that because he was so selfish but when he actually started to build that relationship with his son he realized what he'd actually cost himself with all of his selfishness and so i just find that entire like premise beautiful about actually giving everyone the opportunity to see him, especially because robot in this film, it's never actually given, but there's some shots that suggest that Adam might be able to ha be, have consciousness, but we don't know, but they still like take moments to highlight the fact that they're seeing him and that they're expecting him to watch and like respond as though he's human. And it's kind of like, you don't know what somebody else's thoughts are, but you can still see and take them in and then try to adapt from there. And that's why I find this film so beautiful. Hopefully you guys, have learned a lot this week and that you guys can go and watch this film if you haven't or if you have watched film hopefully it gives you something beautiful and uh i will see you guys next week i hope to wow you guys with either more music or with more episodes of modern family i've decided yet because i'm still working but this has helped me grasp some of the concepts of, of interpersonal kind of effectiveness more because like i said i struggle so hopefully this will help you guys struggle a little less like it's helped me struggle a little less and so i will talk to you guys next week make sure that you show up for yourself because you you matter. Bye.